Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Pym. Here at the podcast, I like to invite guests and performers from the stage show Bedpost that are run here in Toronto and beyond into the studio to have a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality with me. This week, I have very special guests, really good friends of mine. They are the co-creators of Modern Horror, Andrew Warehunt and Nicole Vazine. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi, Erin. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? Hey, we're doing all right. How you, How you doing, doing? <laughs> Doing real good, Aaron. <laughs> Doing real, real good. <laughs> um, I love that we're talking again, Nicole. Uh, you're gonna be. You're here for the first time. Yes, it's uh, my very and, first time. Virgin. Um, Andrea, I've had you. I've had you before. Oh, I'm the oh, virgin. <laughs> you've been around, girl. Oh, how many times, baby? Have you been had? Um, and uh, modern horror. Let's just let's just tell the people. What is it? <gasps> it's <Whoa>. an illustrated <laughs> memoir. Yes. Illustrated by this beautiful woman over here, Nicole Correct. Design. Mm-hmm. Uh, with over, so it's an illustrated memoir based on the two years I spent working as an escort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got more than 60 photographs taken by Nicole and 27 short stories that I wrote myself. Yes. No ghostwriter. No. <laughs> no, I'm the ghostwriter. <laughs> really Are you the ghostwriter? Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> I'm the ghost ride the whip. <laughs> ghost rider? Is that a Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sick reference. <laughs> what a burn. Um, <laughs> it's not a burn. Shady bitch. <laughs> no, I'm being honest. She I love Nick. I honestly love Nicolas no, Cage. No, you don't. She does. Which, fun fact, his birth name is Nicolas Coppola. Because he's actually related to like Francis Ford Coppola and Sophia Coppola, you wouldn't the Coppola know it. family. <laughs> What's your you wouldn't favorite? know it from Ghost Rider. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> okay, so Modern Horror is a book that y'all just released. When did it come out? Recently, very recently. Yeah, we we, ha- we launched it in Toronto. Um, in early December, mm-hmm. and you were our host, hostess, hostess with, the with the mostest. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you did a New York book launch as well. After that, right? Yes, we did that in early March. Yes. Wow. How the and who hosted size. that? Tina fucking Horn hosted that. How? How did you get her? We got her because she had been contacted by the editor of a site called Hazlitt, Mm -hmm. which is the online imprint of uh, Penguin Random House. And they have like really cool long form essays and interviews. And so uh, that editor contacted Tina Horn because they knew about um, uh, the book Mm -hmm. and said, can you interview them? So through them, we got in contact and she sent us these like incredibly nuanced, interesting questions about uh, representation and really like had us dig deep into what our motivations were for making the book. Yeah. So um, when it came time to uh, organizing the New York launch, Mm -hmm. like she was pretty much our top pick. 
there was like no one else that we could think of that was just as insightful and engaging and funny smart as fuck smart as so much fuck so uh yeah she was incredible she was the best yeah what um so what did you determine was the main motivation behind modern horror from that interview did you come to any like hard and fast oh conclusions well one of the hardest questions she asked was what makes modern horror modern Ooh. <laughs> we're like, uh, Ooh. whoa. Okay, we need to like, we sat down for like many consecutive hours trying to answer that question. Yeah. And I think part of what makes the book modern is that um, sex workers traditionally aren't given the space to tell their own stories. And we're living in a modern age where, you, you know, something like the internet has done so much for giving sex workers voices. Yeah. Um, and I mean, growing their businesses. That's the main, we're going to talk about this in the second half. Online is the main place sex workers create and grow and foster their businesses. Mm-hmm. And it keeps One, them safe. It keeps them safe. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, there were other reasons why it was modern. Well, another thing that we had mentioned was just the process of making it felt very modern Mm -hmm. um, in the sense, too, that we, you know, we developed the project over the course of a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the reasons for that was that at the very beginning, we didn't exactly know what form it would take. Mm -hmm. And also, Andrea was not out as being a former sex worker. Yes. So at that point, we were just kind of exploratory and we started experimenting online actually so social media became a huge part of like the testing ground for the project Mm -hmm. um it came it became this way for us to like play with the narrative but not be completely outright yet yes yeah Um, because i remember sorry to interrupt you i remember the first story you told at bedpost the stage show you presented it in a way this was a story that ended up in the book you presented it in a way that it could be fact or it could be fiction and it's for you to decide and figure out and wonder about and it's so so mysterious so you didn't exactly say that you were a sex worker and this was something that actually happened to you yeah that was a terrifying experience that first telling that first story or um right like my preamble before telling the story was so scary for me and being on stage and being like maybe it's true maybe it's not true i don't know who cares uh all right well i'm don't just going to read the story just stop looking like i'm going to read the story okay <laughs> and then when i started reading the story and i could hear people laughing with me and not only that you could feel the focus I felt of the it. room i felt the support which like kind of changed my life game that changer night. Thank you, Aaron and Bedpost. Oh. Seriously, um, yeah, that's when I knew. Okay, I think, I think I can do this. I think I if if this crowd was on my side, I think we can do this. I think I can come out. Wow, it was still mm-hmm. very scary. Wow, because when did you uh, get in on this project, Nicole? What 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 was your main part, kind of in the formative process, and then? Well, that's the thing, because as I mentioned originally... Because you're not a sex worker. I'm not. Right. I'm not. So I think my entry point was honestly just our friendship. Yeah. Like my friendship with Andrea, we always had kind of a creative and intellectual bond. Yes. That was a huge part of our friendship. So I think just naturally we'd be sharing things we were working on. Mm -hmm. I started reading some of the stories she had written uh, based on her experiences over the two years that she was working. At that point, she had left the industry. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like... I was personally very fascinated with the material yes. and I was very fascinated with like 
asking her questions about her experience. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, you know, for one thing, if I'm this interested in it, I feel like other people will be too. And then also I felt on a creative level, like very inspired. I felt like I could just see so much imagery, you know, jumping out into my imagination. So that's really where things grew from there. Yeah. Because mainly you're, um, is this, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. you're a photographer, videographer. So you're a visual. Well, that's a great question. Cause like, honestly, Primarily, I work as a filmmaker, yeah. and um, I do have a background as a visual artist, and I work in as a multimedia visual artist now as well. Yeah. Uh, but this would be my largest photography endeavor. But yeah. it's really because when Andrea did decide to come out, and we knew that we didn't have to kind of toe the line anymore. Dance around. Yeah, exactly. It kind of felt like, oh, let's just make this a memoir, and let's yes. make it you know, straightforwardly about Andrea. And I felt like... From that point, I could just use photography of Andrea to tell the story that way visually. Yeah. And uh, so that really just made my role feel clear from that point on. Yeah. What are what do you think between the two of you are the stories and accompanying photographs that were the most powerful from the book? Do you have a favorite duo? Mm. That's such a great question. That is a great question. I mean, question. they're all powerful. Like I read the book in one sitting. Oh, um, I I had it I had it and I held on onto it for like two weeks before I, I like because I wanted to like dedicate time and energy to it. Right? I didn't want to just like flip through a couple pages and then onto my life and then come back. And I wanted to like <laughs> get into it, girl. Yeah. And it was all of it's very powerful. And between the stories and the photography, it's just it comes together so powerfully. Thank you. It's great to hear. It it does. No, it (laughs) for real does. Is there one that sticks out in your mind when you think of your faves from the book? Oh, my God. Um, I think that, you know, every photograph for us is so interesting to look at from our own perspective because we were there when it was created, too. So part of the joy of it is honestly the memory. Yeah, the memory, like, (laughs) which I know sounds corny, but I kind of... I don't know. I love that we have that documentation and then I can look at it and remember like us trying to make the photo and what that whole thing was like. Then in that Um, case, is there a specific photo that reminds you of a story or a memory that sticks mm -hmm. out in your mind? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're thinking about the same one. We are definitely (laughs) thinking of the same one. Would you like to say it, Andrea? (laughs) Or wait, should we do it on the count of three and then see? (laughs) One, two, three. Masturbating cum man. shot. Okay. <laughs> was that the same or no? It was not the same. <laughs> same idea. Same idea. So what did you? What was okay, yours? So I was going to tell the story about the guy on the beach masturbating. Okay, that's a great story. Okay, so we have two different stories. Um, <laughs> we think it's the same thing, but like similar themes. Similar themes. Yeah, I mean. That day was just so memorable. It was our first official photo shoot for the book. Um, We did several uh, shoots that day, just the two of us Mm -hmm. on the island. On Toronto Island? On Toronto Island. Which is, by the way, a family destination. (laughs) There is a nude beach, but... Where we did end up going, and and part of the story leads us there, for sure. Mm -hmm. But while we were in the family-friendly section of (laughs) Toronto Island, we decided to do a topless shoot, um, uh, based on the, the story Our Girl Violet, which is this sort of like psychedelic uh, 
1969 inspired um, fairy tale. Shoot. Fairy True. tale, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So we want it to be very groovy and flowery, and we wanted greenery in the background. So we walked um, onto the shore through a forest path, and um, we were we were shooting successfully. Um, and then, well, I mean, for one thing, there were like boats going by with children on them. <laughs> we're like, hello, yeah, okay, cool, okay. And then um, we started to feel like our legs were getting itchy oh no and then we looked down and there's fire ants crawling up our legs and like coming up and we're like oh god no so Um, of course because we're professionals we're like let's just keep shooting no we have to get the shot we have to get the shot because we were working with film it wasn't even digital right like we don't Uh have second chances we have to get the shot or bust and we've made it this far so also like andrea's at this point just to paint the picture you know she's in full makeup and costume and it's a lot of effort to get to that point so we're already like we'd climbed through a bunch of like treacherous shrubbery shrubbery and stuff to even get to that part of the island so we're like let's just do it it's just some fire ants there's a burning (laughs) sensation but let's carry on I'm familiar with burning sensation (laughs) (laughs) feels Um, like home to me yeah yeah. feels right should probably have that looked at. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. So, I mean, after this, we make our way to Hanlon's Point, which is the, of course, um, clothing optional beach on Toronto Island. And we continue doing some more photo shoots. And part of our shoot was a wet t-shirt section. And yes. So Nicole's concept is that she would be lying <laughs> on the sand looking up at me while I straddled her. Yes. Um and like taking like cool hot photos like that. And then uh while we're doing this I look over to my right and there is a man in the bushes laying on a towel, yanking his beating chain, it. just yeah. fucking beating it. And uh and I'm like, <laughs> Nicole, there's a guy masturbating in the bushes over there looking at us. And then Nicole's like, well, are you bothered by that? And I was like, no. Because I'm not. Not really. <laughs> Again, the theme is let's just keep shooting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we really need to just do yeah. this. Fire ants, masturbators. Do you say no anything? big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did was I looked over at him. We see you. Because he was waving at me oh. like this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was like, hello, sir. All right. Well, let's just keep going. I don't think he's harmful. I've seen enough dicks in my life. This doesn't really offend me. He's yeah. on a beach. He's he seemed looking... kind of occupied. <laughs> anyway. He was, he was in his own world. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Then we wrap up our shoot, and as we're walking away, he runs after us. Uh-oh. And is like, hey, wow, that was great. <laughs> like, thanks for the show, gals. And... um He's like, can I take you, dude, to lunch? And we we're like, no, no, thank you. That's okay. He's like, what? I'll pay for it. Well, like, well, we we got that part. Yeah, we're good. Still not, good. still not <laughs> interested. Eventually, uh, shoot him away, and then afterward, there was more shenanigans in the water, where some Vince Neil-looking guy with an inflatable motorized boat came over to us and was like, "Wet T-shirts. I love wet T-shirts. Can I take a picture with you?" And we're like, "Who?" Mm. And he's like, "I'll give you each twenty dollars." And Nicole's like, oh, no. And I was like, $20? That's $40, you realize. Like, no funny business? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I just want the picture. And I'm like, 
Okay. okay. All right. Whatever. Let's do it. Just tags. Just tag modern horror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, my girlfriend knows I love wet t-shirts. Okay, buddy. Great. Like, good for you. Cool. Like, you're so unique. Yeah. So then <laughs> we took the money and got off the island, went to the bar and drank it. So, great. <laughs> great. That's so those, I have such fond memories about those stories, but let's hear about the What the was yours? Chat. Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just yet another... Well, this was a more controlled setting, mm-hmm. which was good. Like in a studio? Yeah, like in like, an interior. Inside. <laughs> more in detail about where this interior was. Okay, sure. I mean, we were shooting at my parents' apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Great. Um, And so... Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> Basically, we needed a space where we could just be able to achieve this shot where the inspiration was Andrea wrote a story called Holy Ho. And this is one of the fiction stories in the book. And in that story, she talks about it's kind of like a reference to Carrie. Yeah. So she dresses up as Carrie and she uses strawberry Nesquik as the blood that's poured on Carrie, which actually another bedpost fun fact. <laughs> Andrea performed that at, yeah. at, at, at the first bed, uh, first one I performed at. Yeah, yeah. Before the original story we were talking about, you did this fictional monologue um, in which you invited, you had like a, a silk white nightgown. Um, and and your negligee. <laughs> and you uh, did this holy ho monologue. And then you invited uh, guests of the show um, to come up and pour strawberry Nesquik all over you, right. which I had the pleasure of doing. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> How did it feel? <sighs> yeah. I was like, I was like, because we had talked about the cleanup after that. So mostly I was like, oh, God, how the F is she going to get this out of her hair? Like, yeah. <laughs> like this is just pure sugar. It's a great question. The whole time I was doing it, I was like, I'm so sorry. I know this is going to be hell. Like 20 minutes. When you're gonna... How did you? Gave myself a little bird bath in the I... basement of yeah. the Black Swan. Yeah, the sink of like the... That's yeah. glamour. <laughs> yeah, it's like concrete room. Just like, okay. Oh, That's showbiz, baby. Yeah, yeah. Show must go on. Um, so you were doing a shoot um, inspired by this story and exactly. by this per- performance art piece. Right. That we exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we wanted to just like have a little bit of an additional twist on yeah. Carrie. So for one thing, uh, we made Andrea look as Kardashian-like as possible. So mm-hmm. like she had her hair really straight and like the perfect Kim Kardashian lashes, Kim Kardashian like out nude everything um so she was carrie (laughs) kardashian as her character and then we wanted to have that twist on what the liquid was going to be so in this case we did come come a whole lot of come actual come well this is the question why i was thinking it was memorable (laughs) is honestly we get this question so much like yeah what was it like what what, was it how did we make it what is it yeah yeah the shot like i mean there's two shots in the book one is the before shot you're just covered and then the after shot yeah she's totally like just completely covered covered. so the mixture is uh, (laughs) trade secret um cornstarch water and egg white ew lovingly stirred by my boyfriend on the stove on my parents stove (laughs) 
Yeah. So like. And know. then what? And then what? Like drizzled oh, with a spoon. Had the what? Best time pouring it all over me. That makes me sound so sadistic. <laughs> I was. Just it felt trying- sadistic. Okay. Full disclosure: Andrea was not I felt loving sadist. it. She wasn't loving it. <laughs> no. No, she's getting in my mouth yeah. and telling me to take it. <laughs> you know what? For the art. I did mention that I felt it was important that some of it was on your mouth. Just artistically, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> The things we do for art. Yeah. Things we do. But you know what? Andrea was a champ. The photos are, are stunning. Crazy. And it's something we talk about, too, is like how it's interesting to us how controversial and like you know, eyebrow raising those photos are considering mm-hmm. that they're just of her face. Yes. And like no actual nudity. But yeah, they're... like that that one, the closer at the end where I'm like, ah, like yeah. a big smile on my face, like, I want more bukkake. Like, yeah. just that. Yeah, just, just that, that is face so shot. offensive in a way. Yeah. Right? Like because of its connotations, but there's no nudity in it. And, and there's no comment in it. And there's <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, and there's no other person in this scene even yeah, yeah. like it is literally your face with cornstarch egg white and water on it so we blew that photo up and we have it framed and yes. we've put it on display in a few places and it the visceral reaction it gets is so fascinating to watch mm-hmm. that's very interesting and also because like Nicole and I can kind of stand in the corner of a room and watch people react to it because people don't recognize me as the girl in the photo yeah and uh when I your visage is is blurred a little bit it's it's a little cummed out, Anna. Uh, like we've had some really interesting interactions with people when it's been on display. Yeah, and some people like if we do presentations and we have that photo up for a prolonged period of time, we've had people in the audience be like, "Can you please change that photo?" Wow. Can you? That's I can't look at it anymore. Wow. So it's it's a very uh, yeah it's an interesting interesting one. And also I'd like to add that. Um, the background for that photo was made lovingly by Nicole's mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so that blue like, blue backdrop, right? With yeah, stars or something. It. Yeah, it's based. It literally is based on like the scene from Carrie oh. where she's being crowned as prom queen and genius. Yeah, Did your mom know what it's going to be used for. Oh she, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. We also have a saying we like to say, which is "Moms love modern horror." <laughs> but specifically, our moms. Our moms love modern horror. My mom loves modern horror. <gasps> did, you, did I yes. not send you that picture of my mom? Because when I first uh, finally got into reading the book, I was up at my parents' place. Oh shit! So, and I brought it and showed it to her, obviously, because I talk about the two of you. I work with I work with you guys like on a fairly regular basis. She totally knows who you are, and I'm like, this is the book, finally! Oh my god! And um, she gets up a lot earlier than I do, so I was like, I'm gonna just just gonna leave this here you know before I go to bed and you do with it what you will you know in the morning like while I'm sleeping and every morning that I came out she'd be she'd be reading it oh my okay. god yeah. I'm like moms love modern horror moms love this modern amazing. horror we definitely want to make a moms love modern horror shirt I love that oh like a fan mom shirt oh. fan mom I want a fan mom fan club oh my god okay okay so from you talking about that kind of visceral reaction to that image. I feel like that's a good segue to talk about, we kind of wanted to speak about some of the common misconceptions of sex workers. Mm. um, Because I feel like there are a lot. And I also find it interesting to answer this question after I watched like Showgirls for the first time yesterday. (laughs) I only watched the first half 
but I realized like this is this is where so many stereotypes come from. Oh, media. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, also because I was watching with Andrea, and that's a film that I had watched and thought was like campy and pretty funny. Yeah. So you know, I kept looking over at her during the film, and you were not happy to read her on it. You were yeah. not happy. I was just a, a kind of upset. Yeah. I, I like. I get the cult following. I get that it's like a funny film, but it perpetuates so many harmful stereotypes. Yeah. As someone who has worked in that industry, the industry, it's like, wow. Okay, this is people's reference point. Yes. I forgot. Yeah. I for, Like, it's so interesting to look at uh, the media people consume that perpetuate the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. All sex workers are broken people who are victims of some sort of abuse in their lives. And then it forces them to do this labor that further victimizes them. Mm-hmm. I hate that idea. I hate the idea that all sex workers need to be saved or that like, I don't know, that sex workers aren't capable of doing anything else. And that's why they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like their rock bottom choice. Yeah. Or not even a choice. That, like, sex workers just don't have an interior life. They don't have their own motivations. They're sort of, like, floating around. They don't really know what they want. And they're all just kind of fucking idiots, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what... I know, like, it's supposed to be a campy movie, but that's... I could just feel myself being, like, a little bit... I felt my back coming up a bit mm. because I was realizing, like, oh, man, this is, this is harmful. This yeah. is harmful stuff to put out into the world where sex workers, like it's so clearly written by a man yes. and directed by a man and, and a man that has no idea how women talk to each other, <laughs> let alone sex workers. So um, where do they get off, you know? <laughs> like making a movie like that with uh, knowing absolutely nothing about anything. Like... How does one? It's just it's just for the titillation factor. It's Ugh. because sex sells. It's because like you know you go the most exploitative route, and it's it's shocking. It's shocking to people that have no experience talking to sex workers directly. Yeah. So it it um, has the opposite effect of of um, humanizing sex workers. It it further isolates them and further dehumanizes mm-hmm. this entire group of people. Yeah. When in reality. In your experience, sex workers are more like what? Entrepreneurial, intelligent, savvy, multitaskers who have a lot of things going on in their life and a Mm -hmm. lot of um, people that they perhaps support with the income that they get. They're in sex work because it's it provides a flexible means of um, making money for them. They can often set their own rates and it's a way for them to be their own boss. Mm hmm. And there are a lot more people who engage in sex work, consensual sex work, obviously, than people um, realize. realize. They just don't realize that there are people who choose that form of labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they think that everyone's been forced into it and that it could be further from the truth. And, I, and the more that I um, research and read and listen to people who are also sex workers or have that experience, the mm-hmm. more I realize like there's just an, a, there's a deliberate attempt to silence people who have chosen this labor. Mm-hmm. This is just, you know, by claiming that we're all victims, it is, it is an erasure of our autonomy and our existence mm-hmm. and basically a way to criminalize us further and to throw us in jail. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, um, yeah, I, I second all that. I mean, you, I know you quite well and I know, I know a lot of sex workers and they're all 
like badass bitches. And I realize, you know, maybe just in my group, I might be getting like, you know, not the entire picture of sex work either. I realize that. But for the most part, I mean, gals who, like you said, like, like I have a friend who, uh, due to mental illness, she, um, can't have a full-time job where she has a boss and she needs to work these exact hours on a consistent basis because she is not able to do that. Um, and so phone sex work for her, her is ideal. She's been doing it eight years off and on. She can create her own hours. She can work from home, which is really important for her. And it also is satisfying in a creative way, in a sexy way. She loves sex. She loves to talk about sex um, as she's a writer. So it also, like like yourself, uh, it fosters like a lot of fun um you know, stories um, and art projects that she works on. Like it serves as a lot of inspiration for her in that way as well. Um, And she has a boyfriend. She has a family. You know, she has a lot of interests in her life. She's smart as fuck, this woman is. like, And and this woman is, the specific person I'm talking about, is like, she is so precious like I feel her when I talk about her and her talk to her and she talks about her life and her stories I'm like oh I just I feel with you so hard like she's such a lovely fucking person and where are the representations and and where do we see that in media we don't see that yeah we're not allowed to see that and why aren't we allowed to see that yeah why why it's power if, if women who can work independently, and I'm not talking just about women, I'm talking about anyone of mm-hmm. either gender, any gender, any I gender. should say, um, who, ha- who experiences barriers to employment, including mental illness, yeah. and a variety of reasons why it's hard to get a regular job. Yeah. Um, not to mention the fact that like a regular job often fucking sucks yes you talk know? about yeah talk about demeaning and exploitative and exploitative <laughs> yeah. thank you yeah uh, have you ever tried like serving <laughs> like being a server have you ever tried like you know half the jobs out there where your boss is a total fucking asshole and you feel like shit every day and mm-hmm. you get paid peanuts yes for the privilege of being able to have a normal job you can tell people about whereas you talk to sex workers who are like listen I can, you know, put up an ad and like get a few clients and screen them. I can make a few hundred dollars in a night minimum. I work on my own terms. Um, As long as I tell people where I am and I screen the clients, it's safe. Mm -hmm. Um, There are no startup costs to my business. Nope. I all I literally need, like you know, is like this hundred dollar pair of pleasers, and voila, I have final uh, financial security. Like I'm literally the hundred dollar pair of pleasers away from. You don't even need the pleasers, you right? know? Like, yeah, yeah. If you have your own apartment, a lot of girls will just work out of their own apartment. Yeah. And besides that, you don't really need that much. Yeah. You may need some nice, sexy photos of yourself, but those aren't difficult to come by. The, the, the thing is, what people don't understand about sex work is that it is such a um, uh, equal opportunity employer, uh-huh. in a way, where people who are rejected by regular society, people who experience these barriers to regular employment, sex work opens its arms for better or worse, yeah. to those people, and does provide a means of survival 
mm-hmm. financially. Yeah. And a, and a means of survival that is actually, you know, it can be quite um, uh, luxurious in a way, in mm-hmm. a way that, that can uh, sometimes feel like it's a bit of a trap because then you realize that, you know, maybe you don't want to be in the industry anymore. Maybe you do want to pursue other dreams and goals. And, you know, there's it's such a nuanced issue. It's not black and white. It's sec- not all sex work is empowering. Mm-hmm. You know, not all work is empowering. <laughs> not all work is empowering. Yeah. We live in a capitalist society. Yeah, we need money to survive. So I think what sex work provides for a lot of people is a way to survive that is on their terms, which is a lot better than what we can say about conventional conventional employment. Yeah, a lot of jobs that are out there just in general. Yeah, it's another type of work, and it just happens to be a type of work where you don't have to clock these certain hours and have this certain person over you telling you what to do all the time. Um, and if you're looking at it in that way, like then why why wouldn't one... Why wouldn't that be attractive to somebody, to anybody, to, to go to do it? It's, it's, it's the shame thing. <laughs> it's the shaming thing, I should say. Yeah, and it's the fact that you can't really be open to your friends and family about what you do necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that weighs down on you so heavily. Yeah. Um, and that can be incredibly painful to not share your joys or your pain, your struggles with the people that you love the most. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, if you have a bad day at work, who are you going to yeah, tell? Exactly. Yeah. You certainly can't go to the cops if if something happens to you, which is, of course, another dimension to uh, this form of labor, which is criminalized. Yeah, is that predators? It's their playground. You yes, know? to know that there's this entire group of vulnerable people that are not going to report crimes perpetrated against them to the cops. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up, and that is not inherent to sex work. That is inherent to criminalization. Yeah, because sex Straight work up. itself is not dangerous if everyone's like on the up and up and like consent has been made beforehand and you're very clear about what is going to be happening yeah all the negotiations have been taking place yeah everyone is in agreement and you do the deed and collect the money there's nothing wrong with that yeah that is just one person providing a service for another person like any other job like yeah any other if job. that was the exchange every time then yeah but to to argue that why why it isn't is because it's it's shrouded in, in illegality. Yeah. And that needs to change. Yeah. That's why we, we want decriminalization. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we're at the point where we have to take a bit of a break. Okay. But we're going to get back into this in the second half because we're going to talk about what's happening right now with some things that have just recently been passed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Before then, sure. no, no, no. Okay, have you have y'all been to Oasis Aqua Lounge? Yeah, here in Toronto. I have, have you not. been? Oh my god, we have to go. Really? Do you want to go? Are you okay, curious? Yeah, let's go. Oh my god, you guys go? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I love oh it. Actually, my bachelorette party is going to be there. Oh, do you want to come? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yes. part of it. Yes. This yes. is yes. 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 Um, I so- love that pool. Oh, God, it's heated. <laughs> so Oasis Aqua Lounge, uh, for everyone who doesn't know, Nicole, <laughs> this might be valuable I'm, information. I'm intrigued. <laughs> uh, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a sex club, uh, a sex positive sex club here in Toronto. Um, they ha- are a super inclusive and diverse uh, venue. So they welcome people of all sexual orientations and genders, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, they are shame-free and judgment-free when it comes to all types of play. Um, and all types of sex. 
Um, they've got like a uh, heated pool. They're, they're the aqua lounge part of Oasis is uh, because they're kind of like a sex club slash spa. It's like they have a sauna, they have heated pool, they have hot tub, but they also have like dance floor, lots of different themed sex rooms. They've got a performance space where like educators and speakers and stuff like that present. Um, and uh, the first Friday of every month, they have a really great lap dance instructor that teaches in that room. Wait, who, who, who is could it? that possibly be? I don't know. It's me. Um, and they have a dungeon. Like, a, they have a little private room. There's, it's a really They've cool got it facility. They have got it all. Um, and basically, it's just like a community hub for uh, sex positive people here in Toronto. And uh, that includes uh, entertainers. Uh, businesses and whatnot. So it's Oasis Aqua Lounge, and that's actually uh, one of my new sponsors starting this very episode uh, for the Bed Post podcast. Um, we also have uh, one of my one of my full time sponsors who has been with me for a long time. Comesyour.com. Again, for people who don't know, uh, they are a trans owned, trans operated sex shop that you can find online, um, and they also do like a bunch of different booths and stuff and different festivals and whatnot uh, here in Toronto. Uh, they are a feminist, 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 <laughs> and anti capitalist uh, sex shop. Uh, so they're you know really into giving you the uh, best products possible at the lowest price they possibly can uh, and you can get a 15% discount actually um, if you check out at comesyour.com and enter the coupon code bedpost it's B-E-D-P-O-S-T one last thing um, let me let me let me rearrange my rearrange myself <laughs> oh my god okay this is a Tantus dildo so this is not uh, their dildo however Unicorn Collaborators. Check out this badass boot harness, okay? They are really cool. Amazing, I could get my leg up there. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're really amazing uh, leather uh, leather makers. Um, there are two queer unicorns. I've been doing it here in Toronto for over five years now. They make all kinds of things like chest harnesses, the traditional kind of pelvic um, strap-on harnesses that you know you're used to seeing. Cool uh, boot harnesses that I just showed you. Thigh harnesses. They make handcuffs. They're really fucking talented at leather work. And let me just take out this like cute little custom uh, business card holder that they made for me. Unicorn Collaborators, uh, Debbie and Eli, you can find them at unicorncollaborators at gmail.com. On Facebook slash Unicorn Collaborators, their Etsy shop is also one word, Unicorn Collaborators. And Twitter, they are at you, Collaborators. You can also uh, DM them. Um, and they do uh, uh, leather goods for all different sizes of individuals. And they also, <laughs> check it out, Nicole. And, and they also, uh, they'll either make them super adjustable for lots of different bodies. Um, they're a super body positive brand or uh, they'll do custom pieces for you. So if you want to inquire about any of that um, or you actually, and they're stocked on comeisyouare.com as well. If you want to visit comeisyouare.com and get a unicorn collaborative piece for 15% off, please do so. Hi guys. Hey. Let me get rearranged here now that my foot's off the table. Um, that was very impressive, by the way. My, get my, get my... <laughs> I'm a lap dance teacher, Nicole. I don't know if you know. I'm, I'm finding flexible. out so much about Oasis Aqualounge. Um, okay, so some shitty things have just been 
passed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Sesta, mm. Fosta. Mm-hmm. We mentioned earlier how um, on the online world uh, is very useful and meaningful and essential to sex workers and their businesses. What is Sesta and Fosta doing to sex workers? So SESTA-FOSTA is basically preventing uh, sex workers from advertising online, and it's punishing, the law punishes platforms for their advertisements. So um, platforms are held responsible if they are found to be uh, supporting supporting, uh, the advertisement of erotic services. Mm -hmm. So that's very far-reaching. And so the solution for a lot of these platforms is basically to just shut down rather than try and have some sort of mechanism that controls whether it's... That monitors the, 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 the hashtags or... Yeah, I think the, the main issue with it is that it conflates consensual sex work with human trafficking. And that mm-hmm. was the reason why Backpage shut down is because there was an accusation that they had been supporting uh, the trafficking. human trafficking of youth. And meanwhile, Backpage was 99% used by sex workers themselves to advertise their services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly there was some human trafficking stuff going on. Um, But uh, because law enforcement knew that they could go onto Backpage and like find basically people who had been human trafficked or that like that's how people who were being trafficked were able to sort of communicate to people like uh, save me please, that kind of thing. They did that through Backpage. And so now now that that's down, it's going to be a lot harder to catch the human traffickers, that's for sure. Um, And all those people that relied for their on their livelihoods um on on uh backpage or many of these platforms that are being shut down yeah um they're not gonna they're they have a very limited amount of options now for advertising themselves mm-hmm. and this is how they've they've created their livelihood for who knows how many years for mm-hmm. a lot of them um and unfortunately it means that they're probably going to have to go onto the street to get their clients and taking the internet out of the equation which made it possible for them to screen their clients Mm -hmm. means that they are going to if they're not going to go onto the street they may have to go onto the dark web which Mm -hmm. is again like it's just pushing it further and further underground which makes it less and less safe yeah and and also i mean it's just confusing because there's there's this attempt to eradicate prostitution which you're never going to do and what the internet did was it took more people off the street and now what this is going to do is going to force more people onto the Back street. On the and street. it's going to put pe- people's lives <sighs> in danger. People have already been murdered as a result of this. Yeah, people are already missing. People are missing. People yep. are murdered. And as a direct result of this law, um, what it also does is it it prohibits sex workers from talking to each other online. Mm-hmm. So, so beyond just the advertising component of it, mm-hmm. it also removes um, the, the ability for sex. It removes that... community and the ability for sex workers to provide resources to other sex workers, including bad date lists. Mm. So that's illegal, you know, like to actually share with fellow sex workers, clients who are bad, who yes. are going to hurt them. Because we know that sex workers can't rely on law enforcement to protect them. So they, they rely on each other and, and to communicate with each other. And now that is being banned online, which means a further um, danger to their, their lives and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, this is a very um, scary law. It's also, in a more um, general sense, an internet censorship law, which people don't really quite realize, mm-hmm. where where dating apps are at risk of being shut down as well. That 
civilian people use without realizing that this is a law that's going to impact them. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, Microsoft changed its terms of service for Skype mm -hmm. um, and uh, said basically that if they detect, they're going to be um, monitoring every single Skype call <laughs> for nudity and profanity and obscenity. That's big brother. Yeah. Well, that's that's the risk of all. It's not even the risk. It's the reality of yes. this law that was able to be ushered in via a um, human trafficking panic. Yeah. That is uh, exaggerated. I'm not saying it's not a problem. I'm not saying it's not serious. It's a terrifying thing that we need to like totally address. But by conflating human trafficking with sex work, not the way to do it because yeah. you're you're harming a lot more people that way. Yeah. And it's it's unnecessary. Because yeah. um, as you said before, like sex workers are everywhere people may not realize like everybody knows a sex worker yeah everybody absolutely. does for sure yeah and it's affecting all of them it's affecting probably affecting a family member of yours a close friend of yours yeah and it's going to give them it's going to shut down their livelihood or make their life and or make their livelihood just hella dangerous hella more dangerous right which is what can we do as allies like what can nicole and i do um, what can any of us do? Listen to sex workers. Yeah. Um, I think if you see some articles about, uh, you know, the effects of SESTA and FOSTA, pass it along. Yeah. Amplify those voices. Yeah. Amplify the voices of sex workers. Um, the There's so many. Now, now that it's passed, people are paying attention. Right. You know, there's a big campaign Perfect. on... Uh, the part of a lot of many or many um, industrious sex workers who are activists and yeah. there was a big push there uh, but no one really listens to us so unfortunately it got passed mm -hmm. and certainly no one wants to appear that they are not for the protection of young people in the sex trade as right. far as human trafficking victims con is concerned and so it's a very murky subject so I would say for allies do your research mm -hmm. like read up on this, develop an opinion on it, mm -hmm. um, because so many people are afraid to touch sex work yes. as, as a topic. Uh, it's just a, it's a political hot potato. It's it, it, because people don't talk about these issues openly because there's so much stigma because so few sex workers have the, the privilege and the luxury of being able to come out and talk about their actual lived experiences. Yeah. So few people actually know what um, sex work actually looks like actually entails yeah so what a sex worker actually is like yeah yeah i'd say yeah just uh signal boost those voices awesome awesome that's the best I which think. i think is what we're hoping our book can contribute to yeah to be you know sharing andrea sharing her story and you know it can give someone a very humanizing picture of like you know who sex workers are which is just a people just Another like anyone else person. yeah and so we're hoping like we can have you know a contribution in that way mm -hmm. yeah. yeah if you want one thing to come out of this book is that it i mean we want i think we want many things to come out of this book like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to limit um, you to one. like in in a positive sense like yeah. i think we we also want to be an example as uh female creatives and female entrepreneurs in yeah. terms of for one thing you know having a dream that we want to make something and doing everything we can to make that a reality like yeah. we 
started our own company mm-hmm. just to make this book the exact way we wanted to. We did crowdfunding on Kickstarter to actually get the funding to make it. Mm-hmm. And you did a bunch of live events. We did. Yeah. On your show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on Medpost. On Medpost. And which is, as Andrea mentioned, a huge part of it, you know, and having that support. Um so yeah, I think that that's part of it is we yeah. want to be an example yeah. as female creatives. Yeah. And but also the process we made the book We want that to be an example people can look at. I mean, we're making Mm -hmm. a book that has to do with sex, that has to do with erotic imagery Mm -hmm. and the process in which we created that. It was really important to us that it be, you know, a very consensual process Mm -hmm. all the way. Like, I think that, you know, I often speak about wanting to be like an antidote to Terry Richardson (laughs) in the sense that like, you know, we want to create a really positive environment in which to make this imagery and an environment where, you know, we always discuss the concepts ahead of time. And, you know, again, it's it's similar to when you were describing, you know, before you go into a session, you have to be aware of like, you know, it's a consensual thing and it's yeah. something where you want to feel comfortable and negotiate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So going into creating an image with Andrea, we want to make sure that we have really strong communication and respect going into that mm-hmm. um so yeah our process is important to us and then of course yeah the humanizing aspect of what we're trying to do with this work uh is yeah. huge to us well yeah and I, I mean what has been so rewarding as a result of um this very thoughtful conscientious process we've undergone in, in creating this book is that sex workers like the book Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, if sex workers did not like the book, we fucked up. You did, yeah. That's a big fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sex workers love the book. Yeah. And like, it's becoming its own little genre on Twitter of like escorts posing with the book. Yeah, yeah. it's the best it's thing the ever. Most incredible thing. And yeah. I, I didn't realize that that was, that's the audience. Yeah. For for me personally, that's the real that's audience. If like they got to be on board with yeah. what. I'm saying with this book and they are and of course it means you know we would never say that this book is going to be synonymous with other people's experiences right for sure um but at the same time it's been so great to have you know be approached uh by women for instance some of them are coming to our events and they'll say oh I thought this part was hilarious Mm -hmm. or I I totally relate to this you know and so that's so amazing to hear yeah yeah. So just real quick, um, just because we're just wrapping up, Andrea, can you just tell me about the current work you're doing with a certain institution ah, here in oh Toronto? My God. And this is like such an amazing bedpost story. Because <laughs> this is my third time on your show. Yeah. First time I was on your show, I was in the closet. Yeah. Somehow talking about my my interest in sex work. Yeah, you're a sex, sex work, work researcher. researcher. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, That's, that that was a stretch. Um, <laughs> but that I had gone to Maggie's, the Toronto Sex Worker Maggie's. Action Project, um, and I had gone there um, once when I was escorting for a drop in, and was actually quite um, uh, surprised by my experience because I had been expecting to see more people who looked like me mm-hmm. and what I f- came uh, what I saw was um, people who were more street based workers mm-hmm. and I realized like whoa there are so many levels to this that I'm not uh, familiar with and I it 
admittedly made me a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I didn't quite know what to do. And then uh, over the years, I've been like following Maggie's really closely and like uh, a friend of mine got hired there as a, a program coordinator. Her name's mm-hmm. Victoria Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like, oh, I'm getting closer. Like I, I've wanted to be involved with Maggie's for so long, but had been, you know, whether it was like fear or like just being too busy or stuff like that. Then there was this opportunity to, they they were hiring peer outreach workers and I was like, now's the time. So I applied for it. Happy to say that I've been hired and I'm currently in training. Um, And we're, we're going into our second week of training this week and I'm so, so honored to be in the midst of people who are working uh, on the grassroots ground level with um, the people who need the most support. And mm-hmm. it's so important for me to diversify my own experience mm-hmm. and to see the good and the bad. But but nonetheless, people who want to be sex workers mm-hmm. and want their, their labor, labor recognized as work without being afraid of being hassled by the cops. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, the cops are not friendly to sex workers on the street. Yeah. And uh, street workers represent such a small amount of of actual sex workers. Yeah, but they're the most visible. Most visible, when the most vulnerable. F- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people think sex worker, they picture that gal on the corner. Exactly. Yeah. Um, dipping into the front window of somebody's yes. car. Yeah. And that is a minority yeah. within the entire scope of, of sex work. And yet they are the people that are the most prejudiced against, the most vulnerable, yes. the most targeted by police brutality. So um, it's amazing for me. It's been an incredible experience. I'm learning so much and I'm so excited to just like keep learning and get my hands dirty and yeah. Yeah. Like, well, we'll have to have you back when you've been doing that for a while. Yeah. Talk about your experiences with Maggie's. Experiences with Maggie's. <laughs> um, so we do have to wrap up. I hate to, but we gotta. Nicole, how about uh, you talk about um, where we can get modern horror? Maybe Ooh. some projects you have on the horizon? Yes. Well, you can get modern horror at modernhorror.com. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to get it. And uh, <laughs> do it. You can also get it at numerous bookstores. Mm -hmm. Um, So in Toronto, we have it at Good For Her. We have it at Seduction, at Type Books, Mm -hmm. at Another Story. Mm -hmm. And it's also in the U.S. uh, at Stories Books and Cafe in L.A. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It is also in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Australia. Yes. At Brunswick. Street books? Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> sure. So we're yeah, so we're kind of in the midst right now. It's been really exciting uh approaching bookstores to carry the book yeah. and it's just like amazing to see it sort of go- start to go worldwide in that way. Yeah. I mean, we've been shipping them all over the world for a while now, which has been really cool. Um That's but yeah, that yeah. that address again is modernhor.com. <laughs> and um in terms of next things like, you know, Andrea and I have our company as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Virgin, Virgin Twins. twins. <laughs> and uh, so that's how we publish the book. And we have some exciting things in development that uh, 
we're looking forward to announcing. So please amazing. stay tuned. Yeah. yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, let me see. The things I have to talk about here are um, if you want to see if you're in Toronto and want to see Bedpost, the stage show. I am the uh, third Friday of every month at the Social Capital Theater at eight, and the last Tuesday of every month at the Super Wonder Gallery at nine. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. It really uh, does a lot of great things uh, for me and my business. And uh, if you're listening to it on iTunes or another podcasting app, uh, rating and reviewing is also super helpful to me and my business. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at the bedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Um, for uh, all our YouTube and podcasting content, we have a big uh, shout out and thank you to Eggplant Media uh, and also all the folks here at the Pacific Junction Hotel. Um, and uh, I want to lastly give a huge thank you to my two lovely guests, Andrew Werhan and Nicole Zine. Thank you so much, ladies. It's been enlightening and lovely, and I want to do it again soon. I love you. Love you both. And love you, and thank you for watching and listening. Have a good day, everybody. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.